0: Hi, this is your coach Joe Lucas, and welcome to this Practice Power Academy podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Practice Power Academy, the industry's only 100% free coaching and training website. Access over 300 hours of my content uh, key tools, business plans, monthly game plans, daily game plans, tools, templates, forms, all the goody stuff uh, absolutely at no charge. Go to practicepower.net and grab your free membership. So, today's podcast, what we're going to talk about is a little bit of a departure from what I normally do, which is, you know, a lot of best practices and, uh, you know, maybe some motivational stuff or some inspirational stuff from here uh, once in a while. Um, I think a lot of times people kind of box me into this motivational guy, and, and I have been studying very successful practices for over 20 years. So, what I thought I'd do today is, here is take some of the most important KPIs or key performance indicators that I think every practice, every advisor, every business owner needs to know. Recently, I had one of my clients, they flew into Orlando, uh, them and their number two person, and we spent a full day analyzing, dissecting their business, their meeting process, their client onboarding process, you know, all these things in a deep dive. And what's fascinating is, in preparation, I ask a series of strategic questions. You know, how many clients do you have, profitability, lifetime value, and I'm gonna go over all these in a moment. And what's interesting is that most advisors have n- do not have a concept, I think maybe 10 to 15% really can get their arms around this information. But I think most of us can't, A, because we've been too busy, B, we haven't thought about it, C, maybe we don't identify as a business owner. And what I've always found fascinating is a lot of my background is not in this industry, but in looking at other professional practices, other industries, and then bringing them here. I've got about over 40 KPIs, so about 40 different indicators. And As much as I'd like to spend the next five, six hours going over each one with you here, for the sake of time, I've picked several that I think are basic, kind of the one-on-ones, if you will, and I want to just discuss each one with you, tell you why it's important, how it's relevant to your business, and hopefully to inspire you to go seek your numbers out. So, let's talk about some very basic ones. I, this sounds, you know, it shocks me when I'm talking to a potential new client, I ask this very simple question. Well, how many clients do you have? And I'll, I'll get like, well, we've got, you know, 1,200 accounts or it's somewhere between X and Y. And then I say, well, look, can you get me that? If I say to you, I'll give you one minute. Go on your, go on your CRM, right? Red tail, whatever it happens to be. Go tell me how many clients you have. A lot of them still... Have they need time to go figure that out. So number one, how many clients do you have? Number two, how are they segmented? You know, a lot of times in this industry, and this is where I kind of differ from some of the other practice management people, is that I believe segmenting on assets is not the ideal or optimal way to segment a book of business. I think the best way, based on my experiences, is to segment by revenue. Even more ideally, segment by annual recurring revenue, all right, you know, that's what we need. So that's what matters. If you have $10 million of dead assets, that doesn't pay your bills. In fact, I can make the argument today with all the rules and regulations that that $10 million non-fee-based account is a liability, not an asset, all right? So, how are you segmented? My recommendation is based on annual recurring revenue, and everybody's business is a little bit different, so I'm just going to give you some kind of top line thinking here. Top 20% of your revenue are your A's, the next 40% are your B's, the last 40% are your C's. So 40, 40, 20, equals 100. Anything under that is like D, right, transactional, Client, uh, customer, not client, that's a very simple way to do global segmentation. Next question. What is the standard of care for each of your segments? So I say ABCD. Some people do gold, silver, platinum, bronze. Some people, because you, oh, everybody has nothing but A clients, right? A1, A2, AAA, quadruple A to the fifth power, whatever. But what are your standards of care for each one? How many touch base calls? How many reviews? What kind of communication do they get? Emails, webcasts, podcasts? Who gets invited to what events? All those things need to be figured out. And again, for time here today, we're not gonna go into that, although I probably in in a future podcast will talk about service segmentation models, what I find to work really well, very scalable, very simple to do. Next question. What is the average annual recurring revenue for each of your segments? So if you're in an A segment, what's the average annual recurring revenue? B, average a- a- annual recurring revenue? C, D, right? What's your math? You need to know your math. It's fascinating to me how most advisors do not know these numbers. And when you sit down, and, and, and I'm talking about advisors that run it, think about this a million-dollar business or a multi-million-dollar business, and they have no idea, they got they don't have their arms at all around their KPIs. And you, you can do that for a while. Here's the interesting part of all this. You can get away with that for a period of time, but at some point you stop growing. It almost feels like you're working harder just to keep up. Because you're not operating as a business owner. You're not operating with the information you need to make intelligent business decisions, okay? So again, annual recurring revenue per segment. Next KPI, what is, how long do clients stay with you? So we call it the average length of years of each one of your segments. So are your A clients, what's their average? Are they average uh, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years? There's an average to each one of these segments. And yes, be you, know, you could have somebody has been with you one day and then somebody has been with you 25 years or even longer, but there's always gonna, we're always going to be able to get down to a mean, and we need to do that. Okay? So what is the average length of your client engagement per segment? Now, why is that important? Because when you know how long people tend to stick around, and look, there's always kind of exceptions to the rule, but there's a rule. When you know how long people stick around, you're gonna gonna be better equipped to make better strategic decisions around your business when you understand length, okay? Next question. What is the average lifetime value of the average client in each segment? Here's how you figure that out. You take, let's just take, let's say our A client, okay? Let's say our A-Book averages $20,000 a year of recurring revenue. And based on our analysis, they average a minimum, you know, average out to about 20 years. So $20,000. Again, I don't want to get into the, but Joe, how about the market? The market, how do we value market appreciation and R&Ds? That's not what this is about. This is just about getting some top-line KPIs so you understand your business. So I've got an A client average of 20,000, and I've got them for 20 years. 20 times 20, throw some zeros, is is, is $400,000, right? If you knew every time you took on a new A client, you basically for your business accrued $400,000 of gross revenue you might make your decisions a little differently. You might look at your A clients a little differently. You might be willing to invest a little bit more in maintaining and nurturing those relationships if you're making a $400,000 decision versus a $20,000 decision. That's why these numbers are so important. And then you'd go through your B and your C and your D and you come up with your segments, right? You, you understand the term we give this is lifetime value. What is a client's lifetime value to your business, okay? Next, each one of these segments, what's it cost you to carry the client? What's it cost you to serve a client? So if you're doing you know, touch-based calls and reviews and client events and you know taking the 911 call and, and some admin time, <laughs> excuse me, stuff like that, what's it cost you to do that? What's it cost? Most advisors have no concept on cost. In fact, when you grow up in this business, look, and I think most of us grew up in a wirehouse or a large firm whose whole concept was go do more. Go get more clients, go get more assets, and it's the business of more, 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 right? They never taught you, they never spoke about, they never uh, gave you a concept on client profitability. So what you need to take a look at is on your A's, how much of your time, how do you value your time? You know, not one of these KPIs, but one of the 40 is how do you determine what to charge your business for your time? Because if the business is another entity, you're technically an employee of that business, along with everybody else. What's an hour of your time? How do you build your business out? Again, we're not going to get into that today. I would say to you, again, globally speaking, it's rare. It's very rare that you have a household that's in some sort of fee-based, advisory, financial planning type relationship. It's very rare that it's less than $1,000 of cost. And typically, if you're talking A-level with events and things like that, it can easily range anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000 a year. Cost to carry an A client. So that's why you need to do your analysis. Now, how do you come up with that is the next question you're gonna ask. It's not exact science, but what you would do is take all your overhead, minus your comp out, have a number, and then you would start applying it to the various segments. And then if you want to do a second analysis, you would put your time back in. But again, you're drawing a salary from that. So there's two different ways to do that. We don't want to get into the weeds here too much on this podcast, but you've got to have a sense of what does it cost your business to have a client. Because a lot of times, if you think about this, if you've got a client that has, you know, let's say, let's say a million dollars with you, and it's non, and let's say only a hundred thousand of that's advisory, and let's just keep the math simple, it's a thousand dollars a year gross revenue. And you, but your brain goes, oh, that's a million-dollar relationship. You know, that's an A client, right? That's a double A client. Who knows? It's not. The reality is they could walk away today and you would hardly feel the impact economically. What happens is emotionally you get caught because you see a million dollars leave. And, and so I want to make this statement here while, it's, while I'm thinking about it. We've got to, as an industry, get off this concept that, well, I've got $100 million under management, or $50 million under management, or $250 million under management. If it's not optimal assets, if it's not producing revenue, if the relationship is not profitable, it's a false positive. And if you grew up in a warehouse environment, you were conditioned, think about this, conditioned like a dog, to think about assets. More and more and more. And if you start stripping away what's not really profitable, what's not paying, it's okay to have a small look. I've had clients shed 20, 30, 40, up to $50 million of assets. Because when we analyze them on a household by household basis, and I have a way of scoring them, by the way, and I don't want to get into scoring clients right now, but when you score them out and you say, well, look, i got, you know, look, this you know, Mr. Jones has $4 million, it's in GE stock, inherited from his father. He'll never go fee-based. I've talked to him about it. He doesn't want to liquidate. He doesn't He doesn't want to reduce his risk. He doesn't want to reallocate. All you have there is potentially a non-paying ticking time bomb from a compliance standpoint or, or God help that he dies and the children are not happy with what you did. You cannot in this day and age afford any more pure liability. So, the other piece of profitability, and it's really hard to assign this, what are your risk costs? Because that's part of it. You know, what's, you know, what is the risk in this relationship? So you really need to take a look, and I know we're all busy trying to make more money and grow, and you know, you're, you're, you know, most of you are running around with your hair on fire, just trying to get through your to-do list and your meetings and stuff. You have to carve out strategic time, even if it's a couple of days, and get, shut your phone off, turn off the internet, if you ha- unless you need the internet to get your data. You need to figure this out. Next question, what's it cost you to get a client? So what's it cost you? You know, and that, by the way, that could vary from a $10 gift card and maybe a dinner, because you get a referral, right, to some of my clients are doing radio, uh, seminars, webcasts, strategic alliances, networking, so when you look at all your marketing costs, right, when you're doing events or outreach, when you look at how many new clients in the last 12 months versus the budget, again, now we're not gonna put your time in here, what's it cost you to acquire a client? And like I said, you know, there's really no number that's the right number globally, but you need to know what it is for you situationally. You know, I'm often asked, and I don't wanna pivot too much here, I've been often asked, Joe, what is the what is the right percentage? Now, how much should I be spending on, on you know, office space? How much should I be spending on marketing? How much should I be spending on staff? And you know, they're various, and I'm sure you can do your own research and, and find you know different organizations and entities. Uh, and sometimes I think they're valuable. Sometimes I don't. Is it really the word depends? When somebody asks me that question, I say, well, it all depends. There's really no written rule. For example, I have clients that will spend maybe, maybe twenty dollars to $25,000 this year on marketing and business development because they're referral-driven, so their costs are going to be in you know thank-you cards and gift cards and thank-you dinners and advocate dinners and client events, bring a guest, and that's it. I've got clients will spend well over $100,000 this year in marketing and business development because they do dinner seminars, they have a radio show, uh, they have a social media, uh, basically a person on staff to do social media, and you know you can really get up in your costs there. So again, 20000 $100,000, 5 x differential, and what's interesting is you, know, you would think that, well, this person is spending 5X, we get five times the amount of new clients. Not really. It's maybe 2x here versus this person. Again, if you're running a really tight referral program. So you need to have the data on this. So what's it cost you to acquire a client? And and I'll say this to you right now. By far, being referral and introduction-centric is the most cost-efficient way to grow your business. And I think you all know that anyway. Next question, which is interesting. So I, I had a client in Orlando. Uh, I think it was last month or late March. I uh, flew to Alaska, met with one of my clients and their team there, uh, kind of did a strategic day, and you know we talk about, you know, okay, what's it cost us to onboard a client? So now we go from, okay, they signed the paperwork, right? So now what do we got to do? Financial plan, onboard them, estate planning, uh, tax planning, interact with the CPA, meetings, right? What's it cost year one for you to onboard a client? And what's fascinating about that is, when we did their math, and I, I don't have it here in front of me, but it was, it was a minimum, minimum of $5,000. In some cases, it was a really complex scenario. It could be up to $10,000 of cost first year to onboard them and kind of get them into our system, right? Get them into our process, our protocols. What's it cost you? Recently, I visited a client uh, who does a lot of financial planning, and, and this person, and they're very gifted at what they do. Um, when we sat with them in their office, and I said, what's it cost you to produce a financial plan for a client? And that's a very important question especially if you're doing planning, especially if you're, doing, if you're charging for your plans. And I'll make the statement now. Your plans have got to be, they have to have their own P&L. The days of, well, I give away the plan so I can go get the asset, that is not what the future looks like. Very different. So planning has got to, uh, you know, my term is planning has to have its own P&L. Unless they have to be wildly profitable with it, because rarely that's the case, I can't make it a loss leader either. I need to be at least revenue neutral with it. So, getting back to my story, so we sat with this, we sat, we sat with their team, and and you know, I said, and their, and their their planner, their number two person was there. I said, how many hours did you spend on this? What's your, you know, what's the math? What's your salary? And and what we found was that the average again full-blown you know whether it's the money guy pro or emoney or whatever you got you know whatever the you know the package they're using if it's if it's a sophisticated scenario it's anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars well they're charging three it's like almost like I'm gonna give away steak sandwiches but I'm gonna charge hamburger prices the more you sell the faster you lose money and that's again that's a business case it's business 101 right? Cost of goods, margin. Most advisors don't even think about it in those terms. So I need you to think about it in those terms. So what's the cost you onboard your client? What's the cost you to produce? Whatever it is you need to produce for them. Very, very important. So again, I just wanted to take some time today to share with you some of these KPIs to hopefully prompt you to carve out some time in May or as soon as possible to sit down and really get your arms around your numbers. Again, you know most a lot of people in our space look at me this motivational guy, and I'm saying to you, you've got to do a deep dive into your numbers. Okay, a couple of things real quick, and we'll get you get you back into your day. So, number one, uh, again, depending on when you're watching and listening to this, uh, on Wednesday, May 10th. I will be hosting our monthly Academy webcast. Uh, really cool topic, Advisor 2025, the Magellan Practice Model. It's something I did last year in Puerto Rico for my Magellan study group. Um, you know, so the data is like not, it's not a year old. It's actually been a year validated, quite frankly, when I looked at it. I'm gonna share that with you. So that you can kind of maybe start thinking a little bit differently about what kind of practice you need to evolve into. And then again, please take me up on my offer, go get my 300 hours of stuff, no charge, my gift to you. Last thought, please remember, you are an advisor, you are a professional. But the third piece, you are a business owner know your numbers. Thanks for listening or thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'll see you again very soon.